Do you know there is, is there like a tropical storm off the coast? Is that really? It's like May. Um, but it's interesting, you know, the, 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 title, the title of this sermon is Making Ripples. And if you think about these storms, you know, we, it's a beautiful day outside now. Um, you know, I bet the surf is pretty high outside. And if you think about that storm, and it's just a little one, but it's, it's sending waves out everywhere. And so maybe even people in Bermuda might be getting waves from our tropical storm. Um, it's just amazing to think about that and how our lives are like that, as you just saw in the video, and how, how, how one little thing we do is going to maybe affect somebody, what do they say, six degrees of separation, six, six people away from us or more. We'll come back to that. We're in Colossians. We've been doing a sermon series called First Things First, and we are looking at priorities in our life. What are we putting first? And so the very first week we talked about the priority, obviously, of Jesus Christ. First things first. He's preeminent in our lives. He's preeminent over all of us. We had Bishop Lawrence came and gave an amazing sermon. Um, and what stuck with me from that sermon was, was this, this, this is a paraphrase, but what he basically said was that, that Jesus Christ claims lordship over every square inch of our lives. That Jesus Christ claims lordship over every square inch of our lives. There's nothing that is ours, there's nothing that we do that does not belong to Jesus Christ. And so that's really important to remember, the, the, the preeminence of Jesus, first things first. So in light of that, how do we live our lives? Our second sermon was on discipleship, following Jesus. If, if He is, is Lord over our life, what does it look like to follow Him? How, does it, how are we disciples of Jesus? The third week, part of being disciples last week was, was stewardship. What, what do we do with the, the stuff, the money, the, the blessings that, that Jesus has given us? He's Lord over those things too. How do we use them? What do we do with them? Are we honoring God first with our money, with our possessions? And so finally this week we are on the topic of evangelism. If Jesus Christ is Lord over our lives, that's something we got to share. It's something we have to communicate to others. And so we're going to look at, at Colossians today, and we're going to talk about how, how do we communicate that with other people. Now, you know there's two ways to communicate. One is verbally. You know, we can talk. I'm communicating with you. You may not know it. Y'all are right now communicating to me. Some of you are communicating that you don't want to be here. Just kidding. Y'all look very happy. <laughs> But, but, you know, we're having a conversation right now. I'm talking, you're not, but you're still, you're giving me feedback. I, I know that. And so, how do we communicate with this world? Well, we speak to it, but the first thing we're going to look at is action. You know, what we do communicates so much, even more than, than our words, I feel like. And so, Paul has, has, has taken this letter in Colossians, and he's given us three chapters basically about who Jesus is and what he's done, and how he is, you know, that great quote, the firstborn of all creation, the Lord over our lives, that, that he has offered us salvation through his death and resurrection. And then, then he transitions at the beginning of chapter 3, and he says, basically, therefore, because of Jesus, this is what your life should look like. It's not a list of rules. It's not a, a things we have to do to make God love us. 
But it's, it's a life that's lived out of thanksgiving and gratitude. And so we talked about it in terms of, of finances and money last week. And this week we're going to talk about it, um, first of all, in terms of relationships with each other. And that actually these relationships that seem so um, home-centered and personal are actually a way of making ripples, if you will, of evangelizing. And so let's begin with um, one of the hardest passages in Scripture. So we're in Colossians. If you have your Bibles or any sort of electronic thing that has a Bible on it, please open it. Um, We'd we'd love for you to follow along. Um, We're in Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. Colossians chapter 3 beginning at verse 18. Um, Before we jump in, one thing we'll see. There's three relationships that are described here at the beginning. Um, There's there's husbands and wives, parents and children, and slaves and masters. Husbands and wives, parents and children, slaves and masters, they all um, impact your life some way or another, and we'll we'll get to that. But what we're going to see, like I said, is... you know, how we interact with one another is a form of evangelism. And what we, what we hope and what we pray is that the Lord would see the way we're in relationship, that they would see our lives, they would see us um, at the office, and they would think, you know, it's kind of like Lisa saw something in Kim on that video, and she said, you know, what is it about Kim? What is it about her? She's got a peace and a joy that I don't understand. You know, we want the Lord to look at us and say, what is it? What is it about those people? And then we can ex- explain it, explain Jesus. And so, so that's where we are. And, and the first thing, the first way we're going to do this is husbands and wives. So verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Um, so, I want, you, I want to be sure we're hearing the same thing. This is what this passage does not say. It does not say this. It does not, 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 it does not say, I'll be very clear, it does not say women submit to men. Okay? It does not say that. It says wives submit to your husband. You don't just submit to any man out there. You submit to your husband. Okay? Now, men, look at me. Okay? It does not say, tell your wife to go get you a drink from the refrigerator. Okay? It does not say that. That is not godly submission. That is, that is lording control. Who is lord of your life? Who is lord of your wife's life? Jesus Christ. Not you. Okay, so we've we got to lay that, that, get that out of the way. That's not what it says. And so, so what it does say um, is that we're called to live a life of grace, a life of grace. And, and one of the ways that, 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 that God and his plan has done this, he, he's saying, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And, and you know, we, we can speak generally about how we're created, and this may not be there's exceptions for sure, but, but generally speaking, um, this is coming from Emerson Egrich, who has written a wonderful study 
on marriage called Love and Respect. And I think, I think it's very helpful. And so pick it up if you want to. Love and Respect. Men, for the most part, want to be respected. I, th- I think most of y'all can say that. Men want, want respect. And so, so when we say wives submit to your husbands, we're inviting wives to, to maybe lay down a little piece of themselves. And say, you know, I, I respect your leadership. I respect who you are. I respect who God created you to be. I respect how hard you work at the office, how hard you work to provide. And, and, and even, if, even if the dad stays at home, you know, I respect what you're doing with our children. This doesn't mean women um, stay home, men are the breadwinners, but it does, it does mean a, a, a submission to authority and leadership. And women, that's hard. That's hard to do. But if you read Ephesians, you would see that you're called um, um, to submit to the leadership of your husband as the church is called to submit to the leadership of Jesus Christ. That, that is, is in Scripture that way. That's a hard thing to hear, and, and part of it is a laying down of, of part of yourself. You know, that to be willing to say, oh, this is really hard for me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. Now, it doesn't mean that your husband's making all the decisions because, because these verses go together. And the second one is, Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. In Ephesians, very similar instructions, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. He died for His bride The church is is said elsewhere in Scripture to be called the Bride of Christ. And Jesus Christ died for her, gave himself up for her. And so, so husbands, you've got to be willing to give up yourself for your wife. Give yourself up. Okay? And so do you see how that works? It's this mutual grace that on one hand, a, a, a wife is giving in and giving up for her husband, and a husband is giving in and giving up for his wife. And in that mutual giving, we see Jesus Christ. We see Jesus Christ. And so when you're with friends or when you're out in public and they see a relationship that is, that is joy-filled and self-sacrificing, Imagine that, joy-filled and self-sacrificing where, where husband and wife lay down themselves so that they, could, they can come together in one flesh. And, and you see that in public today and it turns heads. I'm telling you, it turns heads. You don't see that that often. And so people are going to look at you. They're going to sit at your dinner table with you and think, what is it about you? What is it about your relationship? How can you have that much love for one another. And then you tell them, Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on. It's, 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 it's parents and children's Fathers, or children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. I'm a father. Um, it is really easy to provoke my children. <laughs> it's very tempting. It's, it's, just, it's easy to do. Um, but that's not loving, that's not self-giving, that's not self-sacrificing. And so, um, fathers, love your children. Train them in the way of the Lord. So if your children, think about it this way. Let's say your children are actually holding up their end of the bargain. It's not a bargain, but let's say they're actually obeying. 
Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Okay? So what if your kids are obeying you in everything? What are they going to be? What are they going to turn out like if they're obeying you in everything, including your example? What kind of children do you think you'll have? That's a valid question. You need to think about that. And so we're called then as parents to, to lay down our lives before the Lord and let our children see that. Let them see you reading your Bible. Let them, you know, men, let them see you loving your wives. And then when they start to follow that, and when they start to obey that, it, it'll, it's amazing. You, um, your children will know the Lord in an amazing way. Evangelism. And then, again, when you're out in public and... and and you think in your head, you know, you've got five kids and they're all screaming at you. Sometimes we get them all going at once. It's pretty exciting. Um, and they're all screaming at you. And, and you feel like you're about to pop. And then in a moment of grace, God just puts the words in your mouth or, 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 or gives you that response. And, and, and somehow or another, you get things under control. Somebody's watching you do that. Somebody's watching that, and they're seeing you, and they're seeing, like I said, a joy and a peace. Your actions are evangelizing something that, that uh, you may not even realize it. This is so important. We think of making ripples. This, how, we, how we relate to one another is so important. That's why the Bible spends so much time on these topics. Well, let's move on. Um, there we go. Verse 22. Bond servants. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart and fearing the Lord. You can go on. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Slaves, obey your masters. Workers, obey your employees. Again, what I'm not saying, your employer is not a master and you're not his slave. But this translates pretty, pretty easily when we work we have a tremendous, a tremendous opportunity to share the gospel. And so verse 23 is so helpful here. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Why? Why is work so hard sometimes? I'm sure many of you here find joy in your work, and I praise God for that. And I suspect there's any number of people here who don't, who are maybe even just miserable at the office. Why is that? Well, I would say we've kind of forgotten about this verse 23. So who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please your boss? Are you trying to impress the employee sitting next to you? What, what are you trying to do? Because if you're going to work, and you're looking for accolades, or you're looking for promotions, or you're looking to elevate yourself, what happens? What happens when you don't get that accolade, when you don't get that promotion, when they hire somebody new, a young up-and-comer who's better at your job than you are? What happens? 
you're miserable. And so we, we, we come to think of work as this just, just awful place to be. But look at, look, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Every single thing you do, every second of every day, what if you were doing it in service to Jesus Christ? There's a, um, a, a monk... His name was Brother Andrew, and I think that was the name. And he, he was a monk, and, and he was a little despondent at some point, and he kind of discovered this. And so he would, he would look, and he'd, say, he'd see a pen that somebody dropped on the floor or something. And he would say, I'm going to pick up that pen and put it where it belongs. But not for me, but for Jesus. This is a service to Jesus, even a menial task like cleaning up your desk. What if you did it in service to the Lord? And then all of a sudden, your joy um, is not dependent on other people. It's not dependent on your boss or your, your, your neighbor at the office. It's, it's dependent on Jesus Christ. And when you find joy in Jesus and what he's done for us and his, his sacrifice for us on the cross, that joy is never ending. And so the new guy comes along and, and you're a little intimidated by him, but, but you can help him and train him because who you are doesn't depend on who he is. It depends on Jesus. And then you have a joy that, that, that people can't understand. Where do you get your joy? I get it from Jesus. So... We're called to, to evangelize through our actions, through who we are and how, how, we, how we behave and how we have our relationships. But, but we are called to proclaim the gospel. And so we move on to, we're in chapter 4 now, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Um, so here's the first thing we see. <coughs> If we want to tell people about Jesus, if we want to make these ripples, if we want to evangelize, if we want to have the kind of impact um, perhaps that Kim had in the video, the first thing we do is we've got to pray. We've got to pray and pray some more and pray some more. And if you're in these relationships that we've just talked about, um, and you're committed to evangelism, be, be very sure that God will open the door. And so maybe the first thing you want to ask God every morning is, God, give me a chance to share your gospel. Because if you're in these relationships and people are seeing you and trusting you and, and loving you, you will have a chance to share the gospel. Second thing we do, verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you might know how you ought to answer each person. Walk with wisdom towards outsiders. These actions we were talking about, the things you do, the way you relate to one another, that gives weight to your words. And so if you're telling people to believe in Jesus and not living as if you believe in Jesus, they're not going to listen to you. They won't listen. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, he says this, If I speak in the tongues of angels or in the tongues of men, but have not love... I am a noisy cymbal or a clanging gong. 
If I am preaching the gospel and have not love, it's like a noisy cymbal or clanging gong. Have you ever heard a child play a drum set? <laughs> Yaden has. <laughs> we have a drum set in my house, and um, Tyler actually is very good. He's a great drummer. I mean, he's got amazing rhythm. And I listen to him, and I think, wow, this is, this is good. But then he says, Daddy, it's your turn. And I last about 30 seconds, and, and, and from downstairs, Daddy, stop, stop. It's awful. It's awful. And so if I play the drums and have not rhythm, I'm nothing but a noisy cymbal <coughs> or a clanging gong. If you're proclaiming the gospel, but you don't have the rhythm of life, the love of life, they're going to tell you to stop. Stop. I don't want to hear it. But if you have this relationship with somebody, like, like him and her roommate, or, or the roommate and the um, guy at work, or the, the, the two men, um, you know, the mentor and the, 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 the boy who is running away from the Lord, if, if you have that relationship and you speak the gospel out of love into that, it's amazing. It's amazing what will happen. And so, let's close this thing up. First things first. We've got the preeminence of Jesus, the, um, the, the, the importance of following Him closely, of serving Him in our, our finances and our stewardship, and of proclaiming His gospel. And so, I, I want to leave you with this. You can come here, and you can hear this, and you can praise God, and you can say, I believe it. But if you forget about it when you walk out the doors, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. And if those of you who've heard me preach, you've heard me say this over and over again. But, but you have two options, okay? You have two options. You can come here and you can say, I don't really believe this stuff. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. That's, that's your, your choice, but that's, that's okay. Or you can come here And you can say, I believe it, and I'm going to follow after Jesus with every fiber of my being. And maybe it'll take you a little bit of time to come to that point. But here's what you cannot do. This is not an option. You cannot come here and say that you believe in Jesus and have a lukewarm response to that. He is either Lord over your life or he is not. But there cannot, there's no room for anything in between, friends. You either believe that Jesus Christ came to earth, allowed himself to get nailed to a cross so that your sins will be forgiven, and was raised from the dead, and that one day you will be raised from the dead as well. You, you can either believe that or not, but you can't just sort of believe it. And so if you believe it, then you'll have first things first. It'll, it'll just fall into place. It'll take some work, but it'll, it'll come. Um, so do you believe it? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Um, thank you that you're Lord over our lives because there's a lot of stuff in my life that, that I, I just want to turn over to you. I know folks here... Um, 
there's just things that we need to turn over to you, to lay down before you that you would take from us. Um, and I pray, Lord, that you would do that, that you would take these burdens from our shoulders, that you would import on us um, your Holy Spirit to empower us to put you first in all things, and especially today as we talk about evangelism, to open those doors that we could proclaim your gospel, your loving and life-giving gospel. And so we give you our lives. And we ask that you redeem those things in us that are not of you, the things in us where we're not following you. Take those from us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.